Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. It's not fair. Do you ever catch yourself saying or thinking this? Well, I hear it all the time from my clients when I make suggestions about actions to take to improve their marriages. The frequent response, why do I have to do this when my partner isn't doing anything? It's not fair. Well, as children are frequently told, life isn't fair. So why do you expect marriage to be? The idea that marriage is 50-50 is just one of the relationship myths that needs to be blown sky high. It leads to scorekeeping, which is one of John Gottman's four horsemen. And it keeps the focus on what your partner is or is not doing. And it allows you to let yourself off the hook for your part in keeping the marriage going. And it also frequently leads to divorce. So if marriage isn't 50-50, what is it? Well, I'm really glad you asked. And to help answer that question, I'm joined by Nate and Kaylee Klemp, authors of the new book, the 80-80 marriage. So Nate and Kaylee, thanks for coming on and talking about your new book and about this new concept. We are so excited to be here. Thanks for having us. So in your book, you talk about the challenges of the 50-50 marriage, the thing that we've all been told. Your marriage is 50-50, right? Um, And you talk about the many faces of fairness. So Again, I'm talking about marriage not being fair. So, so yeah. what, what are these faces of fairness and what makes them problems? It's such an interesting question, Leslie, because as we were doing all the interviews for the book, if you ask someone on its face, like, hey, do you ever fight about fairness? <laughs> a lot of times they'd be like, no, no, we don't fight about that. But then to your point, you'd make a suggestion. They'd be like, oh, oh, no, I'm not doing that. That's not fair. Right. And so what we realized is that we actually needed to give a couple explicit examples of what fairness looks like in marriage, because once we started recognizing all the different ways it showed up, it was actually the umbrella of a lot of the things exactly to your point that undermine all these relationships. But we needed to give them sort of more explicit examples. So as a, for instance, we'll give you some. One of them is the domestic scorekeeping mm, fight. Mm-hmm. So this is, you're very familiar, right? These are kind of all the logistics that happen in life. And it's so easy to scorekeep where it's like, wait a second. I made dinner last night. It's clearly your turn to make dinner tonight. Or it's like, wait a second. When I made dinner, I left you like one-tenth the number of dishes that you left <laughs> me when you made dinner. Right. And so it's, you know, all these like, well, I drove to school yesterday. It's your turn. Right. All these ways it's like. I changed the turn. baby. It's your turn now. First, oh, yeah. Well, especially at 2.30 in the morning where you do the like, it's definitely your turn to get up. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The other one that I love and that we hit basically right when we got married is the extended friends and family fairness fight. Uh So, you know, when we got married, we were living in California. Both sets of parents were in Boulder, Colorado. We would travel home for the holidays. And so we came up with this elaborate deal where my parents got Christmas Eve and Christmas. Her parents got three days after that because they got a bonus day for not getting the real Christmas day. Mm -hmm. I thought that was fair, but then we get in all these fights about exactly what time are we going to (laughs) leave my parents' house for your parents' house? It was all about like, 
this isn't fair. Mm -hmm. You know, my parents aren't getting enough time. We're prioritizing your family over my family. Yeah. Yeah. The dreaded holiday, you know, it's like, well, your family gets Thanksgiving this year. I mean, I guess I was lucky because when I got married, I was, I couldn't, my mom was in California. It's like, I lived in the South and it's like, that was not happening. We weren't flying back and forth. So it kind of, we didn't have that issue, but, but people do. It's like, you know, and literally almost like down to the minute. It's like, it's like, what is this about? Yes, totally. And it's funny because in the virtual world, it will show up also with like, wait a second, haven't we had Zoom cocktails with your friends two weeks in a row? That's not fair. Right. right? So it's like holidays, it's friends. It's so interesting. So a third way that we really found fairness shows up is around money mm. and who's spending more versus who's saving more and whether things are like justified purchases. So this is the like, mm. why did you get a new computer? Well, I, I had to for work. Like mine was not going to support it. Like I didn't have the memory. Yeah, but it's my turn. For a new com- I mean, it's really interesting. <laughs> I mean, and you talk about this and it just takes me back to when my kids were little. And it's like, I told my kids, I said, I do equivalent. I do not do equal. So if one of you needs a <laughs> pair of shoes, I'm not buying shoes for both of you. This is where we're, I'm not because that was how it was in my family. And it was like, oh, me, me and, and my in-laws were like this. If we do this for one, it's like, oh, stop. But it's, you know, but, but, you know, and, and especially with money, you're talking about, this is really interesting because unless you learn, earn exactly the same amount of money, right now you're into, do we do 50, 50, do we do it proportionally do, and it's like, oh my God, stop. Yes. (laughs) Stop. Absolutely. Yeah. If my, so early on, Kaylee had a really great job. I was a graduate student at Princeton making $20,000 a year. And that was a really interesting question. Can I go out and buy a $2,000 bike? With I my money. I clearly right. don't have that money. <laughs> right. Right. But there's just one more fight that I, I have to mention, which is this fight over free time, mm. which is such a big deal once you have kids. So the moment you get back from the hospital with your kid, free time becomes scarce. It's like domestic gold is the way mm-hmm. we think of it. And so this will be about, you know, one person goes to Target to buy groceries and the other person's like, okay, I'm going to go on a run now because you had your free time at Target buying groceries. Like, whoa, whoa, that's not free time. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite examples of this, we were actually on a podcast and um, our host showed up with the nine week old, like in the Bjorn on the chest and like, I'm really sorry. My partner had a meeting. So the baby's going to do the interview with us. And we're like, listen, we get it. But my favorite part is they were like, so I was reading the book in advance of our interview. My spouse walked by and was like, oh, so you have free time to read now, huh? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, and again, you're talking about, that, that's really interesting because now you're just talking about, do we define things the same way? No. <laughs> yes. Right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm sort of ahead of myself, but I think that's also, it takes us to one of the fallacies, mm-hmm. right? Is that we end up comparing things that are totally not comparable. Well, so. yeah. And we could go, and we can go there because I think that the fallacies, and I mean, I, I think it all goes together. So you actually, you actually do talk about 
two fallacies. So please jump right into those. Yeah. Well, so the first one is exactly what you're describing. It's this sense that of comparison mm -hmm. and that we're not comparing apples to apples. You know, it's sort of like, it's absurd. We're comparing apples to hamburgers. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. You're not even, not even apples to oranges. We're not even. In no, no, like not apples to pineapples. No, like not even similar. And part of it is this notion, you know, if you take it into a marriage, it's one of those, okay, so is going to the grocery store, is that equivalent to the paperwork to refinance the mortgage? Is that equivalent to a 230 diaper change? Like these are not similar domains. And mm -mm. We've, we've thought about it a lot in sports analogies where, you know, this question of like, you can't actually score a touchdown if you're playing hockey and there's no such thing as a goal in fencing. Like there's all these things. It's like if you're not talking about the same thing, it's impossible to come to a what's fair. Yeah. Which again, I mean, and, and my clients who know me, we have the, the North Carolina state fair happens in October, did not happen this past October, but it happens in October. I said, that's the only fair I know about is, is the thing that shows up. <laughs> In exactly. October, because you know, because this I you know, but we do, and we get into this tug of war. And I actually had a client years ago, and he came in, flung himself onto my sofa, and he goes, "If I do what my wife wants, she wins." And I went, "Oh my God, you just set this up as a tug of war." <laughs> but that's what this whole concept, this belief of fairness, and that somehow we can we can equalize it. And, yeah. you know, and again, it just gets us into this ridiculous competition, comparison, who's doing what? Yeah. It's like, how do you, you know, it's like, you know, how, how do you figure it out? Okay. Cause this thing over here might be physically taxing and this other thing over here might be mentally. It's like, how do you, you can't, you just stop. Well, and what was really interesting for us is even if you could figure out how to compare all these different domains and compare, you know, right. finances to cooking and all these things, we'd still be in trouble because that's kind yeah. of a good segue to the second fallacy of fairness, which we call the contribution blind spot. Uh -huh. And this was really fascinating to us. We found all this research in working on this book that basically says when it comes to assessing what is or isn't fair, we are really bad at it. We're <laughs> Our, our judgment is clouded by all sorts of cognitive biases. So on the one hand, we're dealing with availability bias, which is a fancy way of saying that all of my wonderful contributions to our life, those are available to me. I have full access to that data set. But when it comes to what Kaylee does, it's just kind of fuzzy. Like right. there's a lot I don't see. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so there's, there's that issue that we systematically underestimate what our spouse does. But then Absolutely. it gets even worse mm -hmm. because psychologists have found we systematically overestimate what we do. So we're really bad at estimating our own labor around the house mm -hmm. with childcare. So like if I say right. I was with our daughter for 90 minutes, it was probably more like 60 minutes. <laughs> so as a result, like we are just completely delusional when it comes to <laughs> making these assessments. Right. Well, and it's, and it's interesting because I was just talking to somebody yesterday who gave a kind of a similar example about you know, this whole co idea of compromise and moving towards each other and moving halfway. Well, it's like, you know, so, so say we're standing 10, you know, 10 feet apart and, and my estimation of halfway is four and a half feet. It, you know, it's like, so again, it's that same concept of we don't 
we don't see it. And, you know, and again, we, we overestimate, I mean, again, we also overestimate our own abilities and all this other stuff, which is like, and so again, we just get caught up in this trap that, you know, that we're, that somehow it's equal. And I don't, again, like, you know, I mean, I remember, I remember, um, when my when my son was born and there was a woman that I knew who'd had a baby like three months before I did. And so she comes to me and she says, you have to make sure that your husband gets up in the middle of the night with you. My husband was he was in, he was doing a postdoc. So he was work working outside of the home. I left my job because I was getting paid minimum wage and it didn't make any sense to pay somebody to watch my kid when, you know, why should both of us be sleep deprived? I think that's really kind of stupid, especially since, you know, I was nursing. So it's like, okay, I mean, so he gets up and changes the baby, which I'm perfectly capable of doing. It's like, no, please. I, my rule was you can't go to work until I've had a shower. That was not, you have to get up in the middle of the night in some weird equality thing. Yes. Well, and I love the way that you're describing this because this also isn't to say like, okay, so let's say that means that you should, you know, never take a shower. You should also get up in the middle of the night while you're, it's not a like totally tip it one way or the other. It's much more what you're describing is I'm the only one who physically could nurse the baby. It's like, it doesn't matter if he's like amazing and by my side, he just can't. And right. so let's do things that we're good at. Let's do things we care about. Let's do things that we're naturally oriented to and not try to do like a competitive balance sheet where it's like, all right, I'm going to do number A, you do number B and then do those match each other. Let's try. You can't get there from here. Well, and, and, and I think it just sets you up to fail if you even head down that road. Yes. And, and, you know, and again, I think that's where, you know, and again, this is why I don't like the word should. Um, well, I should do this because I'm the wife or he should do this. But, you know, I mean, you know, my best friend, you know, um, she never learned to cook because her mother, you know, that was her mother was the traditional Southern mom and her husband is an excellent cook. And so, but she thought she should <laughs> because, you know, I finally, finally, and, and she worked, she, she worked, you know, she was a dance teacher and she worked late. And so dinner was always late. And finally, her husband just goes, honey, can I please cook dinner? <laughs> what? I mean, it made no sense, but it yes. was, they should do this. Yes. They should, or the scorekeeping, right? That, that right. That's such a beautiful example of, especially if he enjoys it, Yeah, let him do it versus <laughs> like, you will do the cooking because of gender or like you will do half the cooking because Right. It's because it's fair. Right. So it's like, all right, so let me get this straight. The family is going to suffer on the night that I cook. Right. Yeah. It's like, again, it makes no sense. <coughs> anyway, so I need to remind people that this is happily ever after is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking fairness in marriage with authors Nate and Kaylee Kemp. Now, are you trying to make your marriage fair? In the words of Dr. Phil, how's that working for you? If you keep score or vie for control, your marriage is headed for trouble. And the answer isn't more of the same, but something completely different. Something that allows you to both feel loved and respected and where neither of you feels overburdened. No, I didn't just describe some non-existent utopian fantasy world. It is possible to have it and I can help you get it. If you would like to know more, I encourage you to schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after discovery session 
You can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. Or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463. That's 919-924-0463. Now I want to get back to talking about this fairness in marriage. And so guys, you know, my belief is that marriage actually is, needs to be a hundred, a hundred, but you propose that it only has to be 80, 80. So what exactly do you mean by this? And what does it look like? It's such a great question. Cause we actually landed in a similar spot where we're like, okay, so 50, 50 doesn't work. Let's do a hundred, a hundred. But what we realized is that pe- there's actually a way you can overdo radical mm-hmm. generosity. So we want to move beyond that scorekeeping, that competition, that like, all right, we'll meet just in the middle. Where is that exactly? Let's measure. Yeah, where's half and half? Right. Mm -hmm. And so the idea with 8080 is we want to overshoot. We want to strive to contribute more. We want to blow up the accounting in our head where we don't keep track at all. Mm -hmm. That really I'm doing things because it's a gift. It's a gift to you. It's a gift to us. In some ways, it's actually a gift to myself. But the idea of 8080 leaves that room. So why not 100 100? It leaves room for you to still be an individual. Right. One of the things that people said is that gosh, you know, I got married and I thought I'm going to give all of myself to this relationship, all of myself to my marriage, and they forgot to keep a piece that said, what do I love? What do I care about? What's what's my own individual purpose? And so we wanted to save some space mm-hmm. so that people could have those individual passions and pursuits. Okay. So I have to explain because my, I, thank you for that, because my idea of a hundred, a hundred is the effort that ah. goes into it. Not, and, and I see how the 80, because yeah, I mean, what I tell pe- people is you don't get subsumed by the marriage blob. You still are individual people that have to be given place to, to grow and breathe. Otherwise, again, the marriage is going it, to, it's not, it's not healthy. Yes. Yeah. So we also, we like the hundred, hundred and the 80, con, 80 construct because the math makes no sense. And we like to say that's sort of the whole point. That's, not <laughs> a, that's a feature, right? right? Because we're trying to get you out of the math of comparison. And so, 80, 80, 100, 100, that's 160% whole or 200% whole. It makes no sense. Right. But love makes no sense. Marriage makes no sense. Well, especially not, not in that way, because, yes. so, but, but Kaylee, you said something about, I think you said radical gen- generosity. Is that what you said? Yeah. What is that? Yeah. So radical generosity is the mindset that underlies 8080. So really the whole idea of 8080 is two parts. The first is about your mindset, and the second is about your structure, and they fit really nicely together. So you have to start with a mindset. Radical generosity is where you contribute, and you contribute not in the like only up to what's fair, but you contribute generously. You contribute striving to overshoot the mean. Mm -hmm. The second is appreciation, which is all about the glasses that you wear in your marriage. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's funny, right? We all know that if I wear just like normal glasses, it's easier to find all the ways that my partner is at fault, all the ways mm-hmm. my partner is not living up to, all the ways that I'm doing more, especially mm-hmm. based on the biases we just talked about. Right. So as we've been talking about, I've been liking to think about your sort of mindset also as a scavenger hunt. You find what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. 
So if you go looking for all the ways that they are falling short or that they are, you know, not contributing, you will find them, right? If you go looking for like, how are all the ways that it's not fair? I guarantee you'll find them. But if you go looking for all the ways that your partner is awesome, you'll find that too. And the key is the ability to then name it and appreciate them for it, Mm -hmm. especially because so many of them are kind of invisible, right? Mm -hmm. So I can start to almost be entitled rather than appreciative Mm -hmm. for all the gifts that my partner is is adding to our relationship. Well, I love that because I talk about giving your partner the benefit of the doubt. If there are five different ways to look at what your partner's doing, can you pick the one that puts them in the best light? Yes. But generally what we'll do is if, is if we're focusing, it's like, well, they did that on purpose or they did that to hurt me, or it's like, they probably didn't, you know? I mean, I tell, I tell this story, I was doing a talk and, and afterwards a woman came up to me and she said to me, she says, can you explain my husband to me? And I went, oh my God, here we go. (laughs) And she was, she was talking about, he was fixing, he was doing something in the bathroom, like fixing a leak or something. And he kept walking through the kitchen, you know, to get to the garage where his, you know, and she said, and he kept going by the empty pizza box from the night before. And so she said, she finally got so mad, she threw it on the floor. So he would have, it's, and so, so he got really, I said, you know, I said, if you just said to him, honey, could you take it out the next time you go? He probably would have said yes, but I said, he didn't even see the pizza box because he was so focused on fixing the kitchen sink or the bathroom sink that you'd asked him. To, so it was just like, that's actually a perfect segue to that final piece of radical yeah. generosity, which we call revealing, mm-hmm. which is just like, yes, it would be great if we were generous all the time and we appreciated each other all the time and we never had hurt feelings or misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. But as you just pointed out, like there are these inevitable moments. And so we think it's also radically generous to the relationship to reveal when you have that frustration around the pizza box, rather than just expecting your husband or your wife to pick it up, right. really frustrated when you walk by that pizza box, can you please take it out? That's a reveal and a request. And it can be, bring us back into connection so quickly. And what I love too, is it completely undoes the expectation of mind reading. Oh, yes. <laughs> the <laughs> mind reading school of marriage. I always love that one. Yeah, <laughs> so it's that like, works well. It doesn't count if I ask you to take the pizza oh. box out. <laughs> like, they, they really didn't see it. Yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. I've had that conversation with so many, with so many clients because they'll say, well, they're only doing it because I asked. And it's like, okay, first off, that's a problem because they could choose not to do it. So, so when I get that question, I said, so when you ask for something special for Christmas and they give it to you, do you take it back? <laughs> and they look at me like I'm insane. It's like, well, what's the difference? You ask, they did. What? <laughs> But anyway, but I want to go to the last part because I think these are really critical. So you talk, guys talk about five essential habits for an 80-80 marriage. And so what are those habits? Yeah. So we do think of marriage as a system of habits. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we say in the book, if you just read the book, get inspired and do nothing, it's like a week of inspiration that fades away. So (laughs) habits are really key. So the first habit is just creating space for connection. You know, when we talk to these hundred couples, what we found is that the most pervasive problem was just no space, that everybody was so busy. There's so much going on. There's so many distractions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that there was no space to connect. So it's just carving out time, whether that's a date night or a walk, whatever it is to connect. 
Yeah, and consistently and <laughs> right, not not oh, because I'll ask you. Oh well, we we when was the last time you went on a date? Six months ago. Doesn't count. <laughs> yes, you know? yes. It's like when yes. was the last time you had a co- co- a conversation with your partner that lasted more than five minutes? Yes. And like, what were the questions that you asked them that generated that conversation? Because how was your day? Is pretty much always going to be like fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah. That's not actually an intimacy inducing question. No. Yeah. The the second habit is what we were just talking about is this call and response of contribution and appreciation and recognizing that you can start now, you can start small, you can start easy and create a virtuous cycle. This is something where the contribution is leave a sticky note on your partner's computer that says, I love you, Mm -hmm. right? We actually had this sort of virtuous cycle happen in our house that I left Nate a sticky note that said, I love you. I found a card on my bedside table the next day that was like, Oh my gosh, I love you. You're amazing. Our daughter caught the bug. We both got cards saying like, good (laughs) luck with all your book work. So it can start really small, contribute, and then appreciate. When your partner does something great, name it and thank them for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the third is what we were just talking about, this idea of revealing when you have a misunderstanding, when you feel like you're upset Mm -hmm. and just offering a simple request. We find that that's such a powerful way of kind of like greasing the wheels of marriage, getting rid of that friction that that is there for every couple. Like there is no couple, we've we certainly never met one that doesn't have those moments of inevitable disappointment. Oh. Well, yeah, because I mean, and this is, I mean, I actually had a client a long time ago. I said, well, you know, what is it that you want by coming and doing work with me? And she said, well, I want my husband to never hurt me. And I went, I almost said, well, there's the door. I mean, she yeah. was like, because, you know, and the question, and, and it's because we are going to bo- upset, disappoint, hurt. And my thing is, is it intentional? If somebody's intentionally doing something to hurt my feelings, we got a problem. But my husband, again, we go back to that mind reading. My husband, I mean, I tell this story um, that for a big birthday, my husband planned on a, planned a surprise party for me. And I'd always wanted a surprise party, but my husband is a god-awful liar, bless his heart. And so he was behaving in very weird ways. And I was starting to like, okay, what's going on, right? And so, you know, I finally got, it's like, what are you doing? And and so I ruined my own surprise party because, (laughs) you know, and and so he said to me later, he goes, you know, you're never getting, I said, I know I will never, ever again, because I mean, that's a natural consequence. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, and he, you know, and he, he was, he was actually doing something really wonderful, but I took it as like, oh my God, you know, he's, he's leaving me because he's doing these weird things. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and so you, this idea that our partners aren't, you know, and, 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 you know, I had this big thing. I mean, I burst into tears and, you know, my, my kids were looking at him like, okay, mom's crazy. What the heck? You know, he goes, just let her be. Because <laughs> you know? he was like, I have no idea what's the matter with your mother. Um, Cause she's a crazy woman, but you know, it's this thing that, you know, we don't know what it, how our partners are going to react or things that are going to bother them. Cause, cause we just do what we do. Yes. Yes. And I think there's a piece that you're pointing to also that sometimes we forget to update what we care about and what we know with our partners. It's like, I fell in love with you for the first time when we were 17. And if I went with like, what did you love back then and never updated, that would be a problem. So it is sort of checking in about what bothers you, where do you get stuck? So fourth habit is about structure Mm -hmm. and doing the check-ins about we call them the shared success check-ins. 
So we haven't talked very much about it, but so you need the mindset of radical generosity to then be able to translate it into how you live your life. Mm-hmm. And basically the idea is every chapter of your life, there's something that defines it where you go, Hey, we will know that we're winning together. If mm-hmm. we create financial stability, we succeed in our careers, our kids are well-educated. We have wild adventures, right? And they don't have to be the same definition for every couple, but it's right. really important to know what you're working toward. Okay. So the, it's like, have goals. It's like, yes. what, what do you, what do you want this to look like? I'm, you yes. know, it's like, you it's like every year in a business, you go and you look at what went well, what didn't go well, but we don't do this in a marriage. It's like, okay, where's, where's my, you know, performance review. Yes. Yes. And I'm not, I'm not sure that I would advocate like a scale where it's like as a spouse, I give you an A plus. But a performance <laughs> review for our relationship, what's yes. going well, not, not an individual one, but I agree. So what's yes. the fifth one? So the fifth one is one that also came out of our interviews. We heard over and over again, people talking about the lure of digital distraction, social media, et cetera, and how that for many couples felt almost like an extramarital affair. Obviously there's, there's not necessarily a person you're having an affair with, but we're having an affair with our devices. Right. So the habit here is really to think together as a couple about how you can create space from digital distraction. Maybe that's kicking your phones out of the bedroom, making sure they're not around at the dinner table, mm-hmm. asking your spouse before you send a text while you're having an important conversation, right? right? So there are a lot of ways to do it, but it's just getting clear on how do we want to manage this? Because it's a unique uh, pressure on couples. Well, it was really interesting that you mentioned that because I was at a um, psychotherapy networker conference years ago and Pat Love, I don't know if you know her, but she was big in our field. And, um, you know, she would, she, she literally held up, she asked the people, you know, cause we're all marriage, you know, things. And she says, what is the biggest risk to marriage today? And so people were popping up with all this. She held up her cell phone. Yeah. And it was like, because, you know, and people will try, I mean, I've told my clients, I said, please do not have serious conversations over text. Oh my God, please don't do this. But they do because it's safe. You know, I mean, I actually had a client who's, who was married to a fireman and she would get furious when he wouldn't immediately respond to her text. I said, what if he's in a five alarm? I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, and, 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 you know, I'm a digital, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm foreign, you know, I'm, I'm way past, you know, the age of people growing up with this. So I don't, I'm not connected to this. It's like, you know, it's like, sometimes it's like, oh, my phone, you know, my husband will sometimes go off and leave his phone in the kitchen and I need him and I'll text him. It's like, oh crap, he's, you know, but it is, it's, and you, we think we're going to miss out, you know, because we're comparing all, all this stuff, you know, it's like, oh my God, I have to be on Facebook. Why? Um, You know, I have to do this. Like why? But, but it's, but we get dopamine hits from these things. Yes. In some ways it almost creates a similar brain experience as intimate connection, which is where it becomes such a risk where it's like, Hey, we're sitting on the couch next to each other, but we're both on our individual stream, like our feeds. What a missed opportunity. And yet the brain is like, yay, yummy, yummy dopamine. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause we're getting new, 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 we're getting fed this and it's like, Oh, well, you know, have a conversation with my partner. Why would I do that? You know? And again, that's that I tell people, if you're still talking, if you're still having a conversation with somebody and it's gone on for 15, 20 minutes, you're now at a much deeper level. You've gotten past that surface. How was your day kind of 
what I call informational exchange. And you're actually getting to know this person and you're actually, it's like, oh my gosh, my person, you know, my partner thinks this, you know, you're talking about when you guys met at 17. I mean, you know, my husband and I've been together for 36 years and sometimes I just look at him going, who are you and where did that come from? And yet, isn't that one of the cool gifts about oh, yeah. marriage and the long-term relationship is like, you're sort of endlessly fascinating. And so I get to fall in love with you again and again and again, when I'm at that deeper level. Well, guys, this has been so great. And I could continue to talk about this. And there is so much more in the book that I couldn't even cover. So can you please share with people where they can get this book and any other information you would like them to have? Yes, you can go to our website, 8080marriage.com, 8080marriage.com. There, there's information on where to get the book, which you can get at any major seller. We also have a free weekly newsletters with, with tips. And then we're on Instagram at 8080marriage. Terrific. So marriage is a relationship that is constantly changing and evolving. And I don't believe that marriage is for everyone, but that if you want to be married, it's critical to understand what that means for both you and your spouse. Because for your marriage to work, it must work for both of you. If one of you isn't satisfied with the way things are, it's in danger of family. Resorting to exclamations about fairness, as you've heard today, isn't the solution. Taking action to change things is. So hopefully one of the actions that you will take is to go buy this book, And another action that I hope you will take is to continue listening to this show. And until next week, stay loving.